welcome to Wesley Union, a bi-weekly podcast from Studio Wesley that highlights the voices of different campus ministers and leaders in the United Methodist Church. Today we'll be hearing from Derek Scott, Executive Director of Campus to City Wesley Foundation in Jacksonville, Florida. Hey, CCW, good to be with you all tonight. We are in a new series called Across the Distance. We're really using this season of Lent to think about the distances that exist in our world and the ways that um, I think Jesus is inviting us to join him in the work of reconciliation. Um, I'll be honest with you, I am not a big fan of the season of Lent. It's just not one of my favorite seasons. I would much rather hang out and the gloominess of Advent um, or even like the, the craziness of Pentecost, but let just kind of, ah, it's, it, ah. Uh, and I think some of it is because like of a lot of the images and a lot of the images related to Lent just don't like really get me. So for instance, um, one of the primary images of Lent is Jesus going into the wilderness. There's this sense of like stepping away and um, being in liminality. And I just, uh, I'm just not really signing up for it. And yet, here's what I know. I know that I need a season like Lent. I need a season like Lent for reflection and even repentance and, and, and preparation. And I have no idea what's ahead of us. I have no idea, no idea what's ahead for you. But here's what I do know, that Jesus has a way of using these seasons to do deep work in us for the sake of our futures. And so I do want to invite you to join us on the Lenten journey. I want to invite you to consider how these few weeks leading up to Easter can be a season, yes, of reflection and repentance, but also possibly liminality to not be distracted by so many things and, and preparation for the future. Because I do believe that somehow, some way, these, these, um, these seasons are used by the Holy Spirit to prepare us for the future. So we're, we're in this series about going across the distance, really repairing the distance. And, and tonight I want to talk about repairing identity. I need you to know on the front end, I am so going to scratch the surface of this stuff. This is like some of the most uh, profound and deep stuff that I've encountered personally. I'm still working on this. I'm still literally living into so much of what I'm going to say tonight. But at the same time, friends, I, I need you to know that I think it's, I think it's really important for you um, to really consider how identity and distance are intersected um, and, and what we can do about it. So you just heard um, the scripture coming out of 2 Corinthians, um, and, and it's talking about the new creation. And I need you to know something. The new creation is really connected to your original goodness. It, it's dealing with some of the mistakes, the sin, the, the hardship, the, the struggle, the, the iniquity. It, it is dealing with that. But, but the new creation really has more to do with original goodness than it has to do with original sin. I need you to know that. And I need you to know that that word reconciled, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, that word reconciled is really what repairing the distance looks like. It really looks like reconciliation. And there's so many thoughts that you could probably get from that, especially if you're an accounting person. You, When I say reconciliation, you're like, ooh, reconciliation. Okay. So 
that was the scripture that we wanted to put in front of you this week. There's actually another scripture that um, this whole series kind of is based on for me. It actually comes out of Genesis, Genesis chapter three, and it's the story of Adam and Eve and the fall. And I'm not going to go into it tonight, but I just need you to know that I have all kinds of thoughts about that story. And specifically, when the fall actually happened in the story. We don't have time tonight, but it's just really incredible. So the way the story goes, Eve is deceived by the snake and the snake says, hey, if you eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, nothing's going to happen to you, even though God said something would happen to you. Eve, Eve is deceived. She eats of the tree, sees that it's good. She um, gives it to Adam. He eats it. And then immediately their eyes are open. They realize that they've made a huge mistake. Uh, they go and find some fig leaves and they tie them up um, to hide their nakedness because now they all of a sudden realize that they're naked. And, um, and then they go hide. And they hide when they hear the sound of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They hear God coming towards them and they hide. And one question I ask about the story is why'd they hide? Why did they run away from the God that loves them? We have no indications that we've experienced a God of judgment. We have no indication that we've experienced a God of anger. We have no indication that they've experienced any type of what we might deem a negative sort of perspective or, or experience of God. So if all of their experience with God has been beautiful, peaceful, good, gracious, why in this moment do they run why do they hide? And I think the reason why they hide is because they have identified themselves with the mistake that's been made more than the God that loves them and the goodness they were created out of. Let me say that again. Distance gets created when we identify more with the mistakes that we've made than the goodness and the love that we've been created in. This moment for Adam and Eve, I think is really critical for us to think about. I often think about like when little kids, um, they're you know, learning how to walk or, uh, actually the other day I was hanging out with a buddy and we saw this little girl, she's just running around um, you know, this, this uh, uh, sitting area and she bumps her head into um, the table. Now her parents had told her like, be careful running around, be careful running around and she's just having fun running around and then she bumps her head into the table and here's what she does. She runs to her parents. <laughs> She runs to her parents and she's like, oh, did you fix that? She runs to them. Here's what she doesn't do. She doesn't run away from them. And I don't know if that's too simple of an image, but I just, I just see in that moment of this little girl hurting herself, she knows that there's nothing wrong with her. She just bumped her head. And so the best thing that she can do is run to her parents. Now think about Adam and Eve. I wonder if the reason why they run and hide behind that tree is because all of a sudden they think something's wrong with them. Something's innately wrong with them. And that's why they chose the, the, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because something's wrong with them. And so now here comes God. Nothing's wrong with God, but something's wrong with me. And so I got to get away from God because God's amazing, perfect, holy, and I am innately sinful. Are you picking this up? Like I, there's a distance that gets created on the inside of Adam and Eve 
They have disconnected from their true self and are now identified with a false self that says they are flawed. They are the mistake. They are sinful, so they have got to hide. Friends, I believe that signs of a disconnected self include shame and blame and self-rejection. And I would even say at times self-deprecation. You know, there's moments where we're joking about ourselves and we make these comments about like, nah, it's not, yeah, I'm this stupid person who just shows up or I'm this goofy person or I'm this flu, you know, and all these like sort of, sort of throwaway statements we make about ourselves. And I wonder if those statements are actually coming from a place of distance, a place of disconnect, an identity with the false self, an identity that is more rooted in the mistakes that we've made and the suffering we've experienced than the goodness and the love that we were created in. And so my goal um, this, this season, got three of them, and the first goal is to disturb you about the distance. I really want to disturb you about this distance because I don't think it's good for us to be okay and comfortable with being more identified with the false self. I don't think it's good for us to be disconnected from our true self, our true original goodness, our true good, loving nature that was given to us by God. I don't think that's good. And some of us have lived way too long being more identified with the false self. I want to give you an example personally in my life. Um, so just to be honest with you, in my 20s and early 30s, I made a ton of mistakes with my finances. And when I say a ton of mistakes, like mistakes that I'm still paying for, I'll be paying for for a while. <laughs> I made a lot of mistakes with my finances. And y'all, somewhere in the midst of it all, I became so identified with this idea that I suck at making sound financial decisions. And it's not, I made a mistake, something's wrong with me. Something's wrong with the way I make financial, the way that I even reason, something, it's in me. So it's not just, I made a mistake, or I made a few mistakes. No, it's like, something's wrong with me. And here's where it sort of comes out. So I'm hanging out with a buddy, it was actually the same buddy that I was hanging out when I saw the little girl dancing around and, and then she bumped her head, same buddy. So um, I, um, we started talking about, um, Oh, there's a, there's a sound there. Sorry, and I got distracted. And it's gone. Good. So um, I'm with my buddy, and uh, he asked me some random question about finances and stuff. And, I, and I'm like, ooh, ooh, I don't really want to talk about that. And y'all, I can feel it. I can feel myself being like Adam and Eve in that moment, running behind a tree and not wanting my buddy to see anything around my finances. And, and here's the thing that was really, really tough for me. I really thought, and I still think, that if my buddy knew about the mistakes I made in my 20s and early 30s, that he will be like, you're, you're a horrible person. You're a flawed person. I really do think this. And that, there, you have that moment too, right? Where someone asks you a question that requires you to be vulnerable, it requires you to expose yourself, and you're like, if I tell them the truth, they're gonna think something's wrong with me. And then if we go a few layers down, I actually think something's wrong with me. And I'm not really ready for this person to confirm that, but inside I've already confirmed it. I didn't wanna tell my buddy who loves me my buddy who I trust, 
Uh, my buddy, who's actually really good at finances, <laughs> has actual um, experience in helping people work through their finances. I didn't even want to tell him because I was so afraid that someone like that would see me in all of my mistakes that I've made financially and would make a determination about who I am, not something I did. So often, friends, that when, when we are more identified with our mistakes and we hide, we end up not getting the help that we need. We end up losing out on all that's available to us. So let me ask you this question. Again, this is me trying to disturb you about this distance, this internal distance where we identify more with our false self, identify more with our mistakes, identify more with a nature that isn't rooted in our original goodness. That's where identity seems to be landing instead of in the identity of we've been created in the goodness of God, the, 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 the beloved. We are the beloved. God, Holy Spirit is, is literally screaming it over us. You are the beloved. We have less identification there and more identification in I made really, really awful decisions in my 20s and 30s around my finances. Let me ask you this question. When something goes wrong, where, where do you like place that source of the wrong? Is the source of the wrong in the environment, the moment, what happened, or is the source of the wrong you. It's the difference between saying, I need help and I am helpless. It's the difference in saying, I made a mistake versus I am a mistake. Friends, it's the difference in saying, I have committed sin versus I am innately sinful. I know that there's a theology out there that um, capitalizes on calling us sinful, dirty, depraved. I get it. I get where they're coming from. But I don't think it's helpful. I don't think it repairs the distance. I don't think it gives us access to all that's available to us. And it definitely doesn't help us identify with the God of love who has poured out grace continually over us. It doesn't help. And I know there's a mindset that says, well, if I'm not hard on myself, if I don't reject myself, if I don't punish myself, then nothing's going to happen. Things aren't going to improve. And I just am wondering, like, is that really working? Or if you're like me, you find that you weren't hard enough on yourself, so you got to get harder on yourself. You hadn't spoken harshly enough to yourself because nothing's changed. So now you're going to double down on the harsh language. Like, I don't actually think it works. And you know the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, hoping to get different results. Like, it's insane. It's insane to, in my in my opinion, it is insane to be more identified with your sinfulness and your mistakes because it doesn't lead us anywhere great. Studio Wesley exists to curate authentic and informed content that connects with college-aged young adults on their journeys of spiritual and personal discovery. 
We seek to build a community rooted in faith that values an open, inclusive, and expansive table where all are welcomed, respected, and loved without reservation or exception. One way we do this is through our Liturgical Reflections blog series, where different members of our community share about their experiences with and thoughts on different liturgical seasons and days. You can read these reflections by visiting studiowesley.org slash blogs slash liturgical dash reflections. One of the reasons I know this is because of Jesus, and that's the second thing I'm here to do. I'm here to tell you that Jesus has met a way. So yes, it's a little bit depressing, and yes, when I'm here to disturb you about the distance, yeah, it gets, gets a little bright sadness, okay? It's like, oh, okay, oh, oh gosh. Like, yeah, and then here comes the second point that I'll always try to make is that Jesus really has made a way, and this is where I just go directly to text, the, the text that was already read, but I wanna read it again because it's in light of all that I just said about the internal distance, the human disconnect, within ourselves, the identity with the false self, that I think these words from Paul really begin to lean in here. So I start at verse 17, and and this is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So then, if anyone, and I need everybody just to say it out loud. Everybody say anyone. One more time, say anyone. And if you're really cool, you put it in the comments, okay? You put anyone in the comments. Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a part of the new creation. Let me tell you something about the new creation. I've already said it. I'll say it again. The new creation is more about reclaiming your original goodness than it is about erasing your original sin, It's more about reclaiming that original goodness, the the goodness and the grace and the love that you were created in than it is about trying to deal with all the mistakes. Because here's the deal. If we get the original goodness back, we'll be able to deal with all of the stuff that's happened in the middle. Yes, friends, Um, anyone who is in Christ, that person is a part of the new creation, the new thing that God wants to do, which is just a reclaiming of the original goodness that we were given. It goes on to say the old things have gone away. Look, new things have arrived. And if you are more identified with the false self, you don't get most of those new things. You don't see those new things. You're hiding from the God who's bringing the new things because you're so identified with the false self. Verse 18, all these new things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Reconciled, repaired the distance, repaired the breach, built the bridge. The revelation tonight is that whatever disconnects exist inside of us, God through Jesus has done the work of reconciliation. If you will, God through Jesus has Built the bridge from the false self to the true self. He's reconciled us to himself through Christ and who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's going to be the third point in a second, joining the work. In other words, and I want to get here. In other words, God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ by not counting people's sins against them. And here's a beautiful question. If God through Christ is not counting people's sins against them, if God through Christ is not identifying people with the sins, the mistakes, the suffering, all of the stuff, all of the, if I say the shit around them, if God is not identifying them with that stuff, why would we identify ourselves with it? If God is coming, walking towards us, if you will, in the garden and is looking for us and is speaking to us 
as if we are still related and connected and identified in original goodness, though we make some mistakes, why can't we, in the character of God, use the grace of God to re-identify ourselves with our original goodness and, and then be able to receive the new things, the new creation that Jesus is bringing to us? All right, Jesus has made a way. And so the invitation for Lent for CCW is to join Jesus in that work, to take on the ministry of reconciliation. That's what he's given us. If you hear it over and over again in this text, he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. He has given you, friends, the ministry to walk across the bridge, first and foremost, for yourself. So how might we do this? How might we join Jesus in the work of reconciling us? How might we join Jesus in the work of reclaiming our original goodness? How might we join Jesus in the work of being identified with our original goodness and identified with the new creation and not with the mistakes, not with the sin, not with the, the old uh, nature? How do, we, how do we do that? First thing I want to invite you to do is pause. I want to invite you to pause and really, really take a hold of the self-talk. To not just let the self-talk keep going, but to pause and ask yourself, is this language of the new creation or is this language of hiding? Am I talking to myself like I am working on reclaiming my original goodness? Am I talking to myself in the character of a God who loves me and is pouring out grace on me and is not counting my sins against me? Or am I talking in the language of depravity? Am I talking in the language of the false self? Am I talking in the language of the accuser, the one who's literally here to remind me of all my mistakes, the enemy? I want to invite you to pause. Pause your self-talk and really investigate the self-talk. It's one of the things that Tara Brock says. She's a meditation teacher. She says, just because you think it doesn't make it true. And one of the big tools that I've had to grab a hold of um, in my life and in this process of reconnecting and re-identifying with my true self is, is to pause the self-talk that so quickly turns to accusation and turns to rejection, turns to shame. First thing I want you to do is pause. The second thing I want you to do, I want you to consider fasting being harsh with yourself. I want you to fast being hard on yourself, being your own slave master. Um, I want to I invite you to be gentle with yourself in the fast, that thing in you that is like, I'm going to make myself do this thing. And I know we've got these moments in scripture where Paul says, I beat my body into submission. I think there's a context there going on, okay? And, um, and I, we'll maybe deal with that context a little bit later. But I, I, again, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure. You might get some of the outward um, stuff that you're trying to get by beating your body into submission. But like Jesus, I think you end up gaining all of that stuff and losing your own soul. And so I invite you, yes, to pause the self-talk. And I want to invite you then to, to fast the harshness, the personal harshness. And then the third thing I want you to do, and this is the hardest one of all, okay? I want to tell you that you might have to ease into this one. The way that it's going to, way it's going to come out is going to be very like finite and black and white. Just, just do it. And you may need an on-ramp for this. But I really want to invite you to stop hiding. Stop hiding. I want to invite you to stop hiding. 
I want to invite you um, to come from behind the tree using the Adam and Eve story. I want to invite you to expose yourself to people that you trust, like me and me talking about finances with my buddy. I want to invite you to not take the bruises and the bumps from life and go run somewhere, but like that little girl dancing um, in, in, in that sitting space, I want to invite you to run to those who love you and who want to take care of you. That's what I want to invite you to do. I want you to stop hiding. Because I don't think you're going to ever get the new things that are available to you as long as we keep identifying with the false self. Ultimately, it's this, friends. There is a distance on the inside of us. And it has to do with identity. It has to do with where we identify ourselves. We want to move away from identifying ourselves with the mistakes identifying ourselves with the shortcomings, identifying ourselves with the sin. We want to move away from that, and we want to cross the bridge. We want to reconcile with ourselves through the power of Jesus. We want to reconcile with ourselves, cross that bridge, and begin to identify with the new thing, the new creation that Jesus is bringing to us that is more about reclaiming our original goodness than it's ever been about erasing original sin. Another image um, from Tara Brock. She says, so often when we start to disconnect on the inside, start to identify with the false self, it's because the, the, um, we're like these, these waves. <laughs> these waves are just like big and they're just like... And, and it's like, oh, you get overcome by them. You get, you get crushed by them. And here's what Tara Brock says. She says, we get crushed by the waves because we forget that we're the ocean. We get crushed by our mistakes because we forget that our original goodness and the new creation is big enough to handle a moment of weakness, a moment of lack of information, a moment that you, you did your best and it wasn't enough. Like the new creation is big enough to consume all of the imperfection. So my prayer is that you would begin to identify with your true self. Identify with the original goodness you were created in. Identify with the new creation that only comes through the reconciliation that God has given us through Jesus. Let's repair the distance, my friends. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Wesley Union. We hope you enjoyed it. We would like to extend a special thanks to today's speaker, as well as our production team, Troy Argon Buchanan, Sarah Taylor, and Derek Scott III. My name is Allison Corwin, and thank you for listening to Wesley Union, a Studio Wesley offering powered by Campus to City Wesley.